King Lear by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio and directed by Daniel G. Hussan. Episode 1, King Lear's Palace. Enter the Earls of Kent and Gloucester and Edmund, bastard son of Gloucester. I thought the king had more affected the Duke of Albany than Cornwall. It did always seem so to us. But now in the division of the kingdom, it appears not which of the dukes he values most. For equalities are so weighed that curiosity in neither can make choice of either's moiety. Is not this your son, my lord? His breeding, sir, hath been at my charge. I have so often blushed to acknowledge him that now I'm brazed to it. I cannot conceive you. Sir, this young fellow's mother could. Whereupon she grew round-wombed and had indeed, sir, a son for her cradle, ere she had a husband for her bed. Do you smell the fault? I cannot wish the fault undone, the issue of it being so proper. But I have a son, sir, by order of law. Some year elder than this, who yet is no dearer in my account. Though this knave came something saucily to the world before he was sent for, yet was his mother fair. There was good sport at his making, and the whore son must be acknowledged. Do you know this noble gentleman, Edmund? No, my lord. My lord of Kent, remember him hereafter as my honorable friend. My services to your lordship. I must love you and sue to know you better. Sir, I shall study deserving. He hath been out nine year, and away he shall again. The king is coming. Enter King Lear, the dukes of Cornwall and Albany, Goneril, Regan, Cordelia, and attendants. Attend the lords of France and Burgundy, Gloucester. I shall, my lord. Meantime, we shall express our darker purpose. Give me the map there. Know that we have divided in three our kingdom, and tis our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths, while we, unburdened, crawl toward death. Our son of Cornwall, and you, our no less loving son of Albany, we have this hour a constant will to publish our daughter's several dowers that future strife may be prevented now. The two great princes, France and Burgundy, Great rivals in our youngest daughter's love, long in our court, have made their amorous sojourn, and here are to be answered. Tell me, my daughters, since now we will divest us both of rule, interest of territory, cares of state, which of you shall we say doth love us most, that we our largest bounty may extend where nature doth with merit challenge? Goneril, our eldest born, speak first. Sir, I love you more than word can wield the matter, dearer than eyesight, space, and liberty, beyond what can be valued rich or rare, no less than life, with grace, health, beauty, honor, as much as child e'er loved or father found, a love that makes breath poor and speech unable, beyond all manner of so much, I love you. Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, we make thee, lady. To thine and all me's issue, 
Be this perpetual. What says our second daughter, our dearest Regan, wife of Cornwall? Speak. I am made of that self-metal as my sister, and prize me at her worth. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. Only she comes too short. That I profess myself an enemy to all other joys which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find I am alone felicitate in your dear highness's love. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure than that conferred on Goneril. Now, our joy, although our last and least, to whose young love the vines of France and the milk of Burgundy strive to be interest, what can you say to draw a third more opulent than your sisters? Speak. Nothing? Nothing will come of nothing. How now, Cordelia? Mend your speech a little, lest you may mar your fortunes. Good, my lord. You have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit. Obey you, love you, and most honor you. Why have my sister's husbands if they say they love you all? Happily, when I shall wed... That lord whose hand must take my plight shall carry half my love with him, half my care and duty. Sure, I shall never marry like my sisters. But goes thy heart with this? Aye, my lord. So young and so untender. So young, my lord, and true. Let it be so. Thy truth, then, be thy dower. For by the sacred radiance of the sun, the mysteries of Hecate and the night, by all the operation of the orbs from whom we do exist and cease to be, here I disclaim all my paternal care, propinquity, and property of blood, and as a stranger to my heart in me, hold thee from this forever. Good, my liege. Peace, Kent! Come not between the dragon and his wrath. I loved her most and thought to set my rest on her kind nursery. Hence, and avoid my sight. So be my grave, my peace, as here I give her father's heart from her. Call France, who stirs, call Burgundy. Cornwall and Albany, with my two daughters' dowers, digest the third. Let pride, which she calls plainness, marry her. I do invest you jointly with my power, preeminence, and all the large effects that troop with majesty. Ourself by a monthly course, with reservation of an hundred nights by you to be sustained, shall our abode make with you by due turn. Only we shall retain the name and the addition to a king, the sway, revenue, execution of the rest, beloved sons, be yours, which to confirm this coronet part between you. Royal Lear, who I am ever honored as my king, loved as my father, as my master followed, as my great patron thought on in my prayers. The bow is bent and drawn. Make from the shaft. Let it fall, rather, though the fork invade the region of my heart. Be Kent unmannerly when Lear is mad. What wouldst thou do, old man? Think'st thou that duty shall have dread to speak when power to flattery bows? To plainness honors bound when majesty falls to folly. Reserve thy state. And in thy best consideration, check this hideous rashness. Answer my life, my judgment. Thy youngest daughter does not love thee least. 
Or are those empty-hearted whose low sounds reverb no hollowness? Kent on thy life no more. My life I never held but as a pawn to wage against thine enemies, nor fear to lose it, thy safety being motive. Out of my sight! See better, Lear, and let me still remain the true blank of thine eye. Now by Apollo... Now by Apollo, king, thou swearest thy gods in vain. O oh, vassal! Miscreant! Kill thy physician! and thy fee bestow upon the foul disease. Revoke thy gift, or whilst I can bed clamor from my throat, I'll tell thee thou dost evil. Hear me, recreant, on thy allegiance hear me, that thou hast sought to make us break our vows, which we durst never yet, and with strained pride, to come betwixt our sentence and our power, which nor our nature nor our place can bear, our potency made good, take thy reward. Five days we do allot thee for provision to shield thee from disasters of the world, and on the sixth to turn thy hated back upon our kingdom. If on the tenth day following thy banished trunk be found in our dominions, the moment is thy death. Away! By Jupiter, this shall not be revoked. Fare thee well, king. Sith thus thou wilt appear, freedom lives hence, and banishment is here. The gods to their dear shelter take thee, maid, that justly thinkst and hast most rightly said. And your large speeches may your deeds approve, that good effects may spring from words of love. Thus Kent, O princes, bids you all adieu. He'll shape his old course in a country new. Enter Gloucester with the King of France and Duke of Burgundy. Here's France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, we first address toward you, who with this king hath rivaled for our daughter. What in the least will you require in present dower with her, or cease your quest of love? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than hath your highness offered, nor will you tender less. Right, noble Burgundy, when she was dear to us, we did hold her so, but now her price is fallen. Sir, there she stands. If aught within that little seeming substance, or all of it, with our displeasure pieced and nothing more, may fitly like your grace, she's there, and she is yours. I know no answer. Will you, with those infirmities she owes, unfriended, new adopted to our hate, dowered with our curse, and strangered with our oath, take her or leave her? Pardon me, royal sir. Election makes not up in such conditions. Then leave her, sir, for by the power that made me, I tell you all her wealth. For you, great king, I would not from your love make such a stray to match you where I hate. Therefore beseech you to avert your liking a more worthier way than on a wretch whom nature is ashamed almost to acknowledge hers. This is most strange that she whom even but now is your best object, the argument of your praise, balm of your age, the best, the dearest, should in this trice of time commit a thing so monstrous to dismantle so many folds of favor. Sure, her offense must be of such unnatural degree that monsters it, or your forevouched affection fall into taint, which to believe of her must be a faith that reason without miracle should never plant in me. I yet beseech your majesty, if for I want that glib and oily art to speak and purpose not, 
since what I well intend I'll do it before I speak. That you make known it is no vicious blot, murder or foulness, no unchaste action or dishonored step that hath deprived me of your grace and favor. But even for want of that for which I am richer, a still soliciting eye and such a tongue that I am glad I have not, though not to have it hath lost me in your liking. Better thou hadst not been born than to not please me better. Is it but this? A tardiness in nature which often leaves the history unspoke that it intends to do? My lord of Burgundy, what say you to the lady? Will you have her? She is herself a dowry. Royal Lear, give but that portion which yourself proposed, and here I take Cordelia by the hand, Duchess of Burgundy. Nothing. I have sworn. I am firm. I am sorry, then, that she has so lost a father that she must lose a husband. Peace be with Burgundy. Since that respect and fortunes are his love, I shall not be his wife. Fairest Cordelia, that art most rich being poor, most choice forsaken and most loved despised, thee and thy virtues here I seize upon. Thy dowerless daughter, king, thrown to my chance, is queen of us, of ours, and our fair France. Thou hast her, France. Let her be thine, for we have no such daughter, nor shall ever see that face of hers again. Therefore be gone without our grace, our love, our benison. Come, noble Burgundy. Bid farewell to your sisters. The jewels of our father, with washed eyes, Cordelia leaves you. I know what you are, and like a sister am most loath to call your faults as they are named. Love well our father. To your professed bosoms I commit him. But yet, alas, stood I within his grace. I would prefer him to a better place. So farewell to you both. Prescribe not us our duty. Let your study be to content your lord, who hath received you at fortune's alms. You have obedience scanted, and well are worth the want that you have wanted. Time shall unfold what plighted cunning hides, who covers faults at last with shame derides. Come, my fair Cordelia. Sister, it is not little I have to say of what most nearly appertains to us both. I think our father will hence tonight. That's most certain, and with you, next month, with us. You see how full of changes his age is. He always loved our sister most, and with what poor judgment he hath now cast her off appears too grossly. Tis the infirmity of his age, yet he hath ever but slenderly known himself. The best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. Pray you, let's hit together. If our father carry authority with such disposition as he bears, this last surrender of his will but offend us. We shall further think of it. We must do something, and in the heat.
Enter Edmund the Bastard. Thou, nature, art my goddess. To thy laws my services are bound. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom and permit the curiosity of nations to deprive me for that I am some twelve or fourteen moonshines lag of a brother? Why, bastard? Wherefore base, when my dimensions are as well compact, my mind as generous, and my shape as true as honest madam's issue? Why brand they us with base, baseness, bastardy base, base, who, in the lusty stealth of nature, take more composition and fierce quality than doth within a dull, stale, tired bed go to the creating a whole tribe of fops got tween asleep and wake? Well then, legitimate Edgar, I must have your land. Our father's love is to the bastard Edmund as to the legitimate. Well, it's a fine word, legitimate. Well, my legitimate, this letter speed and my invention thrive. Edmund, the base, shall top the legitimate. I grow. I prosper. Now, gods, stand up for bastards. Enter Gloucester. Kent banished thus, and France in collar parted, and the king gone tonight, prescribed his power, confined to exhibition. All this done upon the gad. Edmund, how now? What news? So please your lordship, none. Why so earnestly seek you to put up that letter? I know no news, my lord. What paper were you reading? Nothing, my lord. No? What needed then that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket? The quality of nothing hath not such need to hide itself. Let's see. Come. If it be nothing, I shall not need spectacles. My beseech you, sir, pardon me. It is a letter from my brother that I have not all or read, and for as much as I have perused, I find it... Not fit for your o'erlooking. Give me the letter, sir. I shall offend either to detain or give it. The contents, as in part I understand them, are to blame. Let's see, let's see. I hope for my brother's justification he wrote this but as an essay or taste of my virtue. This policy and reverence of age makes the world bitter to the best of our times, keeps our fortunes from us till our oldness cannot relish them. I begin to find an idle and fond bondage in the oppression of aged tyranny, who sways not as it hath power, but it is suffered. Come to me, that of this I may speak more. If our father would sleep till I waked him, you should enjoy half his revenue forever and live the beloved of your brother, Edgar. Hmm. Conspiracy? Sleep till I wake him? You should enjoy half his revenue? My son, Edgar? Hath he had a hand to write this? A heart and a brain to breed it in? When came you to this? Who brought it? It was not brought me, my lord. There's the cunning of it. I found it thrown in at the casement of my closet. You know the character to be your brother's? If the matter were good, my lord, I'd just swear it were his. 
But in respect of that, I would fain think it were not. It is his. It is his hand, my lord. But I hope his heart is not in the contents. Has he never before sounded you in this business? Never, my lord. But I have heard him oft maintain it to be fit that sons at a perfect age and fathers declined. The father should be as ward to the son and the son manage his revenue. Oh, villain, villain, his very opinion in the letter. Aboard, villain, unnatural, detested, brutish villain, worse than brutish. Go, Sarah, seek him. I'll apprehend him. Abominable villain, where is he? I do not know well, my lord. He cannot be such a monster. Edmund, seek him out. Wind me into him, I pray you. Frame the business after your own wisdom. I will seek him, sir, presently, convey the business as I shall find means, and acquaint you withal. These late eclipses and the sun and moon portend no good to us. Love cools, friendship falls off, brothers divide. In cities, mutinies, in countries, discord. In palaces, treason. And the bond cracked twixt son and father. We've seen the best of our time. Find out this villain, Edmund. It shall lose thee nothing. Do it carefully. And the noble and true-hearted Kent banished. His offense? Honesty. Tis strange. This is the excellent foppery of the world, that when we are sick in fortune, often the surfeits of our own behavior, we make guilty of our disasters the sun, the moon, and stars as if we were villains on necessity. Fools by heavenly compulsion, knaves, thieves, and treachers by spherical predominance, drunkards, liars, and adulterers by an enforced obedience of planetary influence. And all that we are evil in by a divine thrusting on. An admirable evasion of Whoremaster Man, to lay his goatish disposition on the charge of a star. My father compounded with my mother under the dragon's tail, and my nativity was under Ursa Major, so that it follows. I am rough and lecherous. Fuss. I should have been that I am had the maidenliest star in the firmament twinkled on my bastardizing. Edgar. Enter Edgar. And pat he comes like the catastrophe of the old comedy. My cue, villainous melancholy. Or the side like Tom O'Bedlam. Oh, these eclipses do portend these divisions. Fa, sol, la, me. How now, Brother Edmund? What serious contemplation are you in? I am thinking, Brother, of a prediction I read this other day. What should follow these eclipses? <laughs> do, do you busy yourself with that? I promise you the effects he writes of succeed unhappily. When saw you my father last? The night gone by. Parted you in good terms? Found you no displeasure in him by word nor countenance? None at all. Now bethink yourself, wherein you may have offended him, and at my entreaty forbear his presence until some little time hath qualified the heat of his displeasure, which at this instant so rageth in him that with the mischief of your person it would scarcely allay. Some villain hath done me wrong. That's my fear. I, I pray you, 
Retire with me to my lodging, from whence I will fitly bring you to hear my lord speak. Pray you, go. There's my key. If you do stir abroad, go armed. Armed, brother? Brother, I advise you to the best. I have told you what I have seen and heard, but faintly nothing like the image and horror of it. Pray you, away. Shall I hear from you anon? I do serve you in this business. Exit Edgar. A credulous father and a brother noble, whose nature is so far from doing harms that he suspects none, on whose foolish honesty my practices ride easy. I see the business. Let me, if not by birth, have lands by wit. All with me's meet that I can fashion fit. Duke of Albany's Palace. Enter Goneril and Oswald, her steward. Did my father strike my gentleman for chiding of his fool? Aye, madam. By day and night he wrongs me. Every hour he flashes into one gross crime or other that sets us all at odds. I'll not endure it. His nights grow riotous and himself upbraids us on every trifle. When he returns from hunting, I will not speak with him. Say I am sick. If you come slack of former services, you shall do well. The fault of it I'll answer. He's coming, madam. I hear him. Put on what weary negligence you please, you and your fellows. I'd have it come to question. If he distaste it, let him to my sister, whose mind and mine I know in that are one. Remember what I have said. Well, madam. And let his knights have colder looks among you. What grows of it, no matter. Advise your fellows so. I would breed from hence occasions, and I shall, that I may speak. I'll write straight to my sister to hold my very course. Prepare for dinner. Enter Kent in disguise. If but as well I other accents borrow, that can my speech diffuse, my good intent may carry through itself to that full issue for which I raised my likeness. Now, banished Kent, if thou canst serve where thou dost stand condemned, so may it come thy master whom thou lovest shall find thee full of labors. Enter Lear, knights, and attendants. Let me not stay a jot for dinner. Go get it ready. How now? What art thou? A man, sir. What dost thou profess? What wouldst thou with us? I do profess to be no less than I seem. To serve him truly that will put me in trust, to love him that is honest, to converse with him that is wise and says little, to fear judgment, to fight when I cannot choose, and to eat no fish. What art thou? A very honest-hearted fellow, and as poor as the king. If thou beest as poor for a subject as he's for a king, thou art poor enough. What wouldst thou? Service. Who wouldst thou serve? You. Dost thou know me, fellow? No, sir. But you have that in your countenance which I would fain call master. What's that? Authority. Follow me. Thou shalt serve me, if I like thee no worse after dinner. I will not part from thee yet. Dinner! 
Oh, dinner! Where's my knave, my fool? Go you and call my fool hither. Enter Oswald. You, you, Sirrah, where's my daughter? So please you... Uh... He exits. What, says that fellow there? Call the clotpole back. A knight exits. Where's my fool? Oh, I think the world's asleep. Knight re-enters. How now? Where's that mongrel? He says, my lord, your daughter is not well. Why came not the slave back to me when I called him? Sir, he answered me in the roundest manner. He would not. He would not? Go you and tell my daughter I would speak with her. Go you, call hither my fool. Enter Oswald. You, sir, you, come you hither. Sir, who am I, sir? My lady's father. My lady's father? My lord's knave, you horse and dog, you slave, you cur. I am none of these, my lord. I beseech you your pardon. You bandy looks with me, you rascal. I'll not be strucken, my lord. Nor trip neither, you base football player. I thank thee, fellow. Thou serv'st me, and I'll love thee. Come, sir, arise. Away. I'll teach you differences. Away, away. If you will measure your lover's length again, tarry. But away. Go to. Have you wisdom? So. Now, my friendly knave, I thank thee. There's earnest of thy service. Enter fool. Let me hire him, too. Here's my coxcomb. How now, my pretty knave? How dost thou? Sirrah, you were best take my coxcomb. Why, my boy? Why, for taking one's part that's out of favor. Nay, and thou canst not smile as the wind sits, thou'lt catch cold shortly. There, take my coxcomb. Why, this fellow has banished two's daughters, and did the third blessing against his will. If thou follow him, thou must needs wear my coxcomb. How now, nuncle, would I had two coxcombs and two daughters? Why, my boy? If I gave them all my living, I'd keep my coxcombs myself. There's mine, beg another of thy daughters. Take heed, sirrah, the whip. Truce the dog must to kennel. He must be whipped out when the Lady Brack may stand by the fire and stink. A pestilent gall to me. Sirrah, I'll teach thee a speech. Do. Mark it, Nuncle. Have more than thou showest, speak less than thou knowest, lend less than thou owest. Ride more than thou goest, learn more than thou trowest, set less than thou throwest. Leave thy drink and thy whore, and keep in a door, and thou shalt have more than two tens to a score. This is nothing, fool. Then tis like the breath of an unfeed lawyer. You gave me nothing for it. Can you make no use of nothing, Nuncle? Why, no, boy. Nothing can be made out of nothing. Prithee tell him so much the rent of his land comes to, he will not believe a fool. A bitter fool. Dost know the difference, my boy, between a bitter fool and a sweet one? No, lad, teach me. That lord that counseled thee to give away thy land, come place him here by me. Do thou for him stand. The sweet and bitter fool will presently appear, the one in Motley here, the other found out there. Dost thou call me fool, boy? All thy other titles thou hast given away, that thou wast born with. This is not altogether fool, my lord. Nuncle, give me an egg and I'll give thee two crowns. What two crowns shall they be? Why, after I have cut the egg in the middle and eat up the meat, the two crowns of the egg. When thou clovest thy crown in the middle and gavest away both parts, thou borest thine ass on thy back or the dirt. Thou hast little wit in thy bald crown when thou gavest the golden one away. If I speak like myself in this, let him be whipped that first finds it so. 
fools had ne less grace in a year, for wise men are grown foppish, and know not how their wits to wear, their manners are so apish. When will you want to be so full of songs, Sirrah? I have used it, Nuncle, ere since thou madest thy daughters thy mothers, for when thou gavest them the rod and puts down thine own breeches. Enter Goneril. How now, daughter, what makes that frontlet on? It thinks you are too much of late in the frown. Thou wast a pretty fellow when thou hadst no need to care for her frowning. Now thou art an O without a figure. I am better than thou art now. I am a fool. Thou art nothing. Yes, lady, I will hold my tongue, so your face bids me, though you say nothing. Mum, mum, he that keeps nor crust nor crumb, weary of all, shall want some. That's a shelled peace god. Not only, sir, this your all-licensed fool, but other of your insolent retinue do hourly carp and quarrel, breaking forth in rank and not to be endured riots. Sir, I had thought by making this well known unto you to have found a safe redress, but now grow fearful by what yourself too late have spoken done, that you protect this course and put it on by your allowance, which if you should, the fault would not scape censure, nor the redresses sleep, which in the tender of a wholesome wheel might in their working do you that offence which else were shame, that then necessity will call discreet proceeding. For you know, Nuncle, the hedge sparrow fed the cuckoo so long that it had its head bit off by its young. So out went the candle, and we were all left darkling. Are you our daughter? I would you would make use of your good wisdom, whereof I know you are fraught, and put away these dispositions which of late transport you from what you rightly are. May not an ass know when the cart draws the horse? Whoop, Jug, I love thee. Does any here know me? This is not Lear. Does Lear walk thus, speak thus? Where are his eyes? Either his notion weakens, or his discernings are lethargied. Ha! Waking! Tis not so! Who is it that can tell me who I am? Lear's shadow. Your name, fair gentlewoman? This admiration, sir, is much of the savor of other your new pranks. I do beseech you to understand my purposes aright. Here do you keep a hundred knights and squires, men so disordered, so debauched and bold, that this our court, infected with their manners, shows like a riotous inn. Epicurism and lust make it more like a tavern or a brothel than a graced palace. The shame itself doth speak for instant remedy. Be then desired, by her that else will take the thing she begs, a little to disquantity your train and the remainders that shall still depend to be such men as may besort your age, which know themselves and you. Darkness and devils! Saddle my horses! Call my train together! Degenerate bastard! I'll not trouble thee! Yet have I left one daughter. You strike my people, and your disordered rabble make servants of their betters! Enter Albany. Woe that too late repents! Oh, sir, are you come? Is it your will? Speak, sir, prepare my horses. Ingratitude, thou marble-hearted fiend, more hideous when thou show'st thee in a child than the sea monster. Pray, sir, be patient. Detested kite, thou liest. My train are men of choice and rarest parts that all particulars of duty know and in the most exact regard support the worships of their name. 
Oh, most small fault, how ugly didst thou in Cordelia show, which like an engine wrenched my frame of nature from the fixed place, drew from my heart all love, and added to the gall. Oh, Lear, 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 beat at this gate that let thy folly in, and thy dear judgment out. Go, go, my people. My lord, I am guiltless as I am ignorant of what hath moved you. It may be so, my lord. Hear, nature. Hear, dear goddess, here, suspend thy purpose if thou didst intend to make this creature fruitful. Into her womb convey sterility. Dry up in her the organs of increase, and from her derogate body never spring a babe to honor her. If she must teem, create her child of spleen, that it may live and be a thwart disnatured torment to her. Let it stamp wrinkles in her brow of youth, with cadent tears fret channels in her cheeks. Turn all her mother's pains and benefits to laughter and contempt, that she may feel how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child away, away! Now, gods that we adore, whereof comes this? Never afflict yourself to know more of it, but let his disposition have that scope as dotage gives it. Enter Lear and the Fool. What? Fifty of my followers at a clap? Within a fortnight? What's the matter, sir? I'll tell thee! Life and death! I am ashamed that thou hast power to shake my manhood thus, that these hot tears which break from me perforce should make thee worth them, blessed and falls upon thee. The untented woundings of a father's curse pierce every sense about thee. Old fond eyes beweep this cause again. I'll pluck you out and cast you with the waters that you loose to temper clay. Yea, is to come to this? Let it be so. I have another daughter who I am sure is kind and comfortable. When she shall hear this of thee with her nails, she'll flay thy wolvish visage. Thou shalt find that I'll resume the shape which thou dost think I have cast off forever. Do you mark that? I cannot be so partial, Goneril, to the great love I bear you. Pray you content, what Oswald Ho, you, sir, more knave than fool, after your master. Uncle Lear, Uncle Lear, tarry, take the fool with thee. This man hath had good counsel a hundred nights. Tis politic and safe to let him keep at point a hundred nights? Yes, that on every dream, each buzz, each fancy, each complaint, dislike, he may engard his dotage with their powers and hold our lives in mercy, Oswald, I say. Well, you may fear too far. Safer than trust too far. Let me still take away the harms I fear, not fear still to be taken. I know his heart. What he hath uttered, I have writ my sister, if she sustain him and his hundred knights, when I have shown the unfitness... Enter Oswald. How now, Oswald? What, have you writ that letter to my sister? Aye, madam. Take you some company, and away to horse. Inform her full of my particular fear, and thereto add such reasons of your own as may compact it more. Get you gone, and hasten your return.
Outside, near Albany's palace, enter Lear, Kent in disguise, and Fool. Go you before to Gloucester with these letters. Acquaint my daughter no further with anything you know than comes from her demands out the letter. If your diligence be not speedy, I shall be there afore you. I will not sleep, my lord, till I have delivered your letter. If a man's brains were in his heels, were not in danger of kibes? Aye, boy. Then I prithee be merry, thy wit shall not go slipshod. <laughs> Shalt see thy other daughter will use these kindly, for though she's as like this as a crab's like an apple, yet I can tell what I can tell. What canst tell, boy? She will taste like this as a crab does to a crab. Thou canst tell why one's nose stands in the middle of one's face? No. Why, to keep one's eyes on either side's nose, that what a man cannot smell out he may spy into. I did her wrong. Canst tell how an oyster makes his shell? No. Nor I neither. But I can tell why a snail has a house. Why? Why, to put his head in, not to give it away to his daughters and leave his horns without a case. I will forget my nature. So kind a father. Be my horses ready. Thy asses are gone about him. The reason why the seven stars are no more than seven is a pretty reason. Because they are not eight. Yes, indeed. Thou wouldst make a good fool. To take to gain perforce. Monster ingratitude. If thou wert my fool, uncle, I'd have thee beaten for being old before thy time. How's that? Thou shouldst not have been old till thou hadst been wise. Oh, let me not be mad, not mad, sweet heavens. Keep me in temper. I would not be mad. Come, boy. Next time on King Lear. Now, Edmund, where's the villain? Fled this way, sir, when by no means he could... By no means what? Persuade me to the murder of your lordship. I heard myself proclaimed, and by the happy hollow of a tree escaped the hunt. Poor Turley God, poor Tom! Edgar, I nothing am. If till the expiration of your month you will return and sojourn with my sister, dismissing half your train, come then to me. Return to her? And fifty men dismissed? No! What need you five and twenty, ten or five? No reason not the need! Let us withdraw. Twill be a storm.